0: All right, folks, well, thank you for being here with us today for the start of Spring Equip. Whether you're here in the room with us, you're watching this live with us on one of our streaming platforms, uh, or you're listening to this later through one of our podcasts, we're uh, grateful that you're here and we look forward to uh, a, um, an interesting Spring Equip. Let me tell you what we're going to be doing as we finish our worldview, um, the biblical worldview series that I was doing Uh, During the winter, we finished that a couple of weeks ago, and we have uh, a couple of months of of spring equipped before we take a break uh, for some summer fellowships, but we're going to divide it into two, uh, and we're going to divide it into two parts, and I'm going to do four weeks, and in the middle, we'll do a prayer gathering together when our May and June uh, prayer guide comes out. So for the next four weeks, I'm going to be talking about spiritual gifts. We're calling this Many Gifts, One Spirit, and I'll introduce that idea uh, here in just a moment. As our elders were talking about this uh, some time ago, about what I would teach next and equip, this was one of the subjects that came up. It's come up regularly in small groups. We are from small group leaders. It occasionally comes up in our um, uh, connect class when new people come, and that's when we start talking about the idea of serving within the church. And not just serving within the church, as in you look out and say, I would like to do that, but serving within the church according to your giftedness, people will oftentimes look at us and say, well, I don't know what that means. I don't know what my spiritual gift is. How do I know what my spiritual gift is? What are the spiritual gifts? Is there like an, uh, an appendix in the back of the Bible that I can flip to and see like a list I get to pick? Um, People don't actually ask that. But you have to wonder, if nobody's ever talked to you about it, and I do think the Baptist Church has done a poor job of talking about this, and let's tell you why here in a minute. Um, So we wanted to spend some time helping uh, our church understand the nature of spiritual gifts, answering some questions uh, about spiritual gifts, and then ultimately ending up at the last of all of this, with you getting an understanding of how do you know what your gift is and how could you use that in the life of our church. then I said, we'll take a week break. And then what I think a lot of people are going to be interested in and maybe come and be somewhat disappointed, but I hope not, uh, is I'm going to deal with the last four weeks of equip uh, with a survey of end-time theology. And people have been asking me to teach on that for a long time, um I get requests probably the most requested book I get for me to preach through um is Revelation and I'm not that's not the next thing I'm going to preach but I am going to preach 1st and 2nd Thessalonians next uh as our next New Testament series. They're working on getting us live online. Are we are we back online? We're on but we don't have any audio. Yes. My wife just texted me that, so. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it came up on my iPad. Um, So they're, I can sign language it, they're working on it, okay? So, but we're, Brian, for podcast though, we're recording audio. All right, so we're good, so we're going to keep going. Um, And so since I'm doing 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, and then the Old Testament book I'm going to do after that is going to be Daniel at the end of this year, and both of those deal with some end time issues, Uh, What we realized was I don't have enough time on Sunday mornings to be able to lay out everything that somebody needs to know uh, from a whole Bible perspective when I get to those specific passages that deal with things like the man of lawlessness, that deal with being caught up in the air, that deal with the uh, 70 weeks in Daniel. So I'm going to teach um, kind of a survey course for four weeks over how different approaches that the church has taken over the last... Um, well, 2,000 years, as it's related to that subject, hopefully as a primer uh, for when we when we get into that. I'm not going to have to be able to deal with that. I, I point people back to, to those teachings instead of being able to have to go through the whole thing all over again every Sunday morning, okay? So that's why we're doing two different sections. We, we, these are kind of two little mini-series, uh, but this one is on spiritual gifts. Are we good? All right, we're on. Thank you for those that, w- that have been... Um, watching me pantomime online for the last four minutes. If uh, all I've done is explain what I'm teaching over the next eight weeks, spiritual gifts uh, and uh, a survey of the end-time theology, if you want a further explanation of that, you can podcast this later because our guys in the back have told us that the sound for the podcast will have worked the entire time. But for the sake of those in the room, I'm not going to repeat myself. So let me pray for us, and then we're going to get started here uh, with this uh, Study of spiritual gifts. Father, we thank you uh, that technology worked out and that people online can hear me. Uh, We thank you, God, for those that are gathered in the room, uh, that we can be together. And thank you, God, that you didn't leave anything out when you designed your church. And in that design, you miraculously gift every person that you bring into uh, your family every person that you put in as a part of the body of Christ, uh, specifically and intentionally gifting them uh, for the building up of the body of Christ. That everyone matters. That everyone has a role. Everyone has a job. Everyone has something to do. And it's not based on what they're able to do um, on their own, but what the Spirit of God is doing in and through them as they uh, work within the church to accomplish our mission together. So, God, would you encourage us in that? Would you help us to see uh, today from Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 just uh, how unique and miraculous the, the composition of the New Testament church is and that we're important to it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So... The, the reason, I, I briefly introduced this uh, a second ago, and I, I said I'd talk a little more, so let me do that first. That Again, the reason of this is we get questions all the time from people about, am I gifted? How do I know that I'm gifted? What, what do I know my gift is? Um, but then we also get some, some peripheral questions concerning spiritual gifts, sometimes about the miraculous gifts. On well, more than one occasion, I've been asked on our church's opinion on the miraculous gifts, uh, gifts like speaking in tongues, gifts like healing. Uh, I'll get that asked that maybe once or twice a year in in Connect class or in other places. Um, And sometimes people are surprised to know, to hear me say, our church doesn't have an official position on that. I'm happy to tell you what my official position is, but unless our church has uh, adopted something in our core beliefs, core values, or it's in the Baptist faith and message or maybe to a lesser degree, it's a a position that our elders have together put out, then we don't necessarily have a position. Our church doesn't have one, and and I don't necessarily think we need one, Um, but we'll talk about what some of those things uh, may be. Here's why though I think the the church has lacked some teaching on this. When the charismatic movement in the uh, 20th century really began to take off in the United States, and gripped much of the Southern United States uh, out, coming out of revivalism of the 1950s and 60s. Uh, you had the Jesus movement, kind of an aside to the Jesus movement was the, was the charismatic movement. Um, and the charismatic movement for a while, and in some ways still is, kind of a, a cousin to evangelicalism, to conservative evangelicalism. There's a lot that we would agree on Um, But then there began a drift in the 70s and 80s within the charismatic movement, um, far away from sound biblical teaching, and this is not all charismatic churches, but this is some, uh, began to drift towards what's now often known as word of faith, name it, claim it type churches. You see some of these preachers still on the TV, these big uh, healing services, you know, where somebody can, you know, knock down a whole section of people just kind of with I don't know, wind or whatever it is. Um, and, and there was a, so when, the, when a pendulum swings one way, people that disagree with it tend to react. And we tend to swing our pendulum the other way, kind of, you know, Newton's law, right? In an equal and opposite direction. And the, the evangelical church, particularly Southern Baptist church, where a lot of Southern Baptists tend to to. Um, not believe in the continuation of the miraculous gifts, but that's not a, all Southern Baptists or all evangelicals would believe that way. Um, but because many do, what, you ended up, what ended up happening in my lifetime growing up as a Southern Baptist, and so many of you probably experienced this if you grew up in this way too, was people just didn't talk about gifts anymore. Because we were seeing people abuse them instead of rightly teaching about them, which should have been the answer, and some guys did, and thankfully they did. In the main, a lot of, a lot of pastors just said, well, we're not going to talk about it. Uh, I cannot tell you, and maybe I did and I just don't remember it, but I cannot remember growing up and hearing a sermon on spiritual gifts. I don't remember people talking about it. And when you look back over the modern church history, that's why. People just, we, we so didn't want to be confused with what that was on the far extremes of that movement that our, our overreaction caused us not to even talk about it. So now we get people in the church that have never had a good, good teaching on the spiritual gifts. They've never had anybody talk to them about, our, do you know what your spiritual gift is? Um, they don't know, even if you believe that the miraculous gifts don't exist anymore, or maybe you believe they do exist anymore. If you've never heard anybody teach one way or another, you may not even know why you believe that. You may just know that you believe it, that somebody, you know, told you that somewhere along the way, but maybe not why. Well, we we need to answer some of those why questions. Um, And so this is going to seem a little elementary uh, for the teaching that I tend to try to do on Wednesday nights, but I think it's going to be, uh, I think it needs to be that way because there's been a lack of teaching on this within the church over the last 40, 30 or 40 years. I do think the church is doing a lot better in that now. You're seeing more stuff written. You'll notice normally at the, on the first week of a series, I have books that I recommend. I don't have a book that I could recommend to. It's not that I don't have spiritual gift books. Uh, there's not a little one, right? And I like recommending little books. And then some of the ones that I do have, there's, an, there's enough in them that I disagree with that I don't feel comfortable necessarily recommending to them to you, uh, because there's just so many different ways of thinking about this and approaching it. So I want us to do it in a really practical way. I want to answer some questions, give you some definitions, help us to understand how this works, and then we'll get into in the coming weeks what the gifts are. Uh, I will answer the question, I'm not doing it this week, but I will answer the question about Uh, miraculous gifts and and their role in the first century church versus their role today. And then ultimately getting to the point where uh, I hope we're able to help you look at your own life and look at your own walk with the Lord and say, this is how the Holy Spirit has gifted me to serve at Nansman River Baptist Church, because this is the church in which God has placed me. Because anything short of that isn't a full theology on spiritual gifts. Anything, if, if it's just, well, this is how God's gifted me, and it's not, this is how God's gifted me to serve at Nanza River Baptist Church because this is the church that I attend, um, or if you're watching this online, whatever church that would be for you, um, then you don't have a right and full understanding of spiritual gifts because spiritual gifts exist within the context of the, the local church. This is where they exist. They don't exist outside of this. They don't exist what we see within the scriptures is we don't see the spiritual gifts existing um, in in some uh, you know a, a, as some um, additional way in which God is working in the world outside of the primary way and I would say exclusive way that God is working in the world and that is through His church and the local expressions of His church. So all of this conversation about spiritual gifts is ultimately going to lead to the answering of that question of how do I serve in this church. In this body, because you're here, and this is your body, this is the place that you are. So, so let me just answer two initial questions that, uh, if you've never heard anybody talk about spiritual gifts before, you need answers because you're all they're already popping up in your brain. The first is, well, what is a spiritual gift? Like, what what's a definition? You can find lots of definitions. I'm going to give you Wayne Grudem's definition. Um, I would say that um, we sell a book in our Equip Center um, in what seems like ages past. I taught from this book on Wednesday nights. It's called Bible Doctrine. Uh, It's an accessible church-level systematic theology book. Um, It's not something you just sit down and read, but it is something you could sit down and study over the course of time. We have that book in the Equip Center Wayne Grudem in that spends a couple of chapters talking about spiritual gifts. Um, And this is his definition. I think it's a pretty good one. Uh, So uh, Dr. Grudem defines spiritual gifts as any ability that is empowered by the Holy Spirit and used in any ministry of the church. So it's a pretty broad definition, but it is one that you'll understand. It's empowered. So it's an ability. It's something you do, right? So it's an action. It's an ability um, it's not something you have and just sit on the side and don't ever use. It's a, it's it's an ability. It's a it's an action. It's an action that's empowered by the Holy Spirit. Meaning you you don't you can't at least live up to the full potential of it. And I'm going to talk about talents and gifts and how those things work together because they often do just in a, in, a, in a very practical way. Uh, they often do. But for it to actually be a spiritual gift, it's something you do. It's an it's an ability. Uh, It's empowered by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the one who is gifting you to do it. And it is used in any ministry of the church. So it's not just the preaching ministry of the church, the evangelism ministry of the church. It is any ministry of the church. So people right now in our preschool area are exercising spiritual gifts. Hopefully I'm right now exercising a spiritual gift. There'll be people that exercise spiritual gifts before we got here, when we leave. There should be a myriad of people exercising spiritual gifts on Sunday mornings in our main worship gathering. Um, When the church comes together, everybody ought to know what they're, what their place is and what their usefulness is, how the Holy Spirit is using them uh, as a part of what we're doing as a church. So any ability that is empowered by the Holy Spirit and used in any ministry of the church, that's probably not a perfect definition of spiritual gifts. It's certainly not the only one, but it's a good one and it's gonna be our working definition uh, for the next four weeks. Number two is, is there a definitive list of spiritual gifts? Now I joked at the very beginning, like is there an appendix in my Bible that I can go to and I can just look and see? Uh, if you have a study Bible, the answer to that question is maybe, because study Bibles will have all sorts of lists and, and things, you know, compilations. But there's not one passage that you can go to. There are probably five passages, six passages in the New Testament that list spiritual gifts. Now, some of them, like the one in 2 Peter, only, only list two gifts, 1 Peter only list two gifts. Um, others list multiple, but none of them are, are intended to be exhaustive lists, meaning there's no place that one of the apostles in the New Testament or Jesus himself sat down and said, all right, church, here are all of the ways that someone can be empowered by the Holy Spirit to um, You know, can have an ability empowered by the Holy Spirit that is used in any ministry of the church. There's there's no way there's no place in the Scripture that gives us that whole list. Now, that should tell us something. First, it should tell us that because they're varied lists and there's no one exhaustive, definitive list, it means that the apostles' approach to spiritual gifts was was one that was that that wasn't very rigid. All right. if, the, if it were rigid, meaning that that it had these really defined parameters on it, then the apostles would have given us these really defined parameters we would have had this really clear concise you know alphabetized or or um, categorized list because we don't have that, then we should probably also not in, not approach the subject of spiritual gifts um, in in some sort of rigid way, saying that these are the Spiritual gifts, and there are none others. So from one author that I read, he kind of pulled out from those five or six New Testament passages, combined some things, and and he came up with a list of 21. Well, none of the lists in the Scriptures actually have 21 spiritual gifts, so it's this this compilation. But most people that write about spiritual gifts and think about spiritual gifts in the way that we want to approach this today, uh, or this over the next month is that 21 is actually even, would even be a limit. That there are ways in which, just think about this, this definition. It's any ability that is empowered by the Holy Spirit and used in any ministry of the church. So if it's something that the Holy Spirit is empowering you to do, and it is something that has helped build up the body of Christ, it's helped us carry out our mission as Nansman River Baptist Church, then you can consider it to be a spiritual gift. So that really broadens the horizon some for us, right? Now that doesn't mean that just because you want to call it a spiritual gift, it is. It has to fit within that definition. It has to be something that is used that is used in the ministry of the church, used to help the church accomplish its mission. It has to be something that is actually empowered by the Spirit. It can't be something that just puts something that you think, well, I'm good at, so this is my spiritual gift. And we'll kind of help with that some, right? So We have a good working definition, and we have a recognition that because there's not a definitive, exhaustive list out there, then we we don't have anywhere to go and just say, well, this is all of them, and you're going to have one of these and no other ones, okay? We want to be careful in thinking something's a spiritual gift, but we don't also limit ourselves in maybe possibly thinking that something could be that isn't in one of those lists. Very likely, however... It is going to be related to something. And I'll introduce this next week. But next week, w- what I'm going to introduce is the idea that just about every spiritual gift that's used within the context of the local church really falls into just one of two categories. It's either a serving gift or it's a teaching gift. It's, it, and, and, and we'll take those two categories for the next two weeks after today and look at a lot of these gifts That we see and how we see them used in Scripture and how we see them used uh, in the church. Because in in general, just about every gift is going to fall into one of those two categories. Then we'll answer some questions about the miraculous gifts once we're through the way the the primary way that God uh, gifts people. All right. But what I want us to see tonight is that God has gifted you. I want you to leave here today convinced of this fact: God gifted you. If you're in Christ, if you're a believer then the Holy Spirit of God, which indwells you, has gifted you, given you a Holy Spirit-empowered ability that you can use and need to use, must use, should use for the ministry of the local church that God has placed you in. So divided this into, into three sections. The first is this. The Holy Spirit has uniquely gifted all members of the body, The Holy Spirit has uniquely gifted all members of the body. There are not some people that have gifts and some that don't. It's not that the pastors, elders have gifts and the deacons have gifts and the small group leaders have gifts, but nobody else does, right? Uh, It's not that the people that have been at the church the longest have the best gifts, uh, the most empowered gifts, and those that have been in the church the shortest have none, Everyone is everyone that is in Christ uh, is uniquely, all believers are uniquely gifted by the Holy Spirit. And our giftedness comes from God. It is not of us. Now, I'm going to be in two main passages. You just may want to, if you've got a little ribbon in your Bible, you may want to turn to Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, because every passage that I read tonight is going to come from one of those two places. I'm not going to read those two, pa- those, those are actually two lengthy passages. Um, and so for the sake of time, I'm not going to read all the way through them. And I'm actually going to skip around. Um, and, and so I'm not going to, at any point, read them all in order. Uh, but I'll tell you which book I'm, I'm reading from. We're going to start in 1 Corinthians 12. I'm going to read verses 4 through 6 first. It says Paul writes this, Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are a variety of service, but the same Lord. And there are a variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Now, if we skip down to verse 18, we read, But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Now, we've called this Spiritual Gifts series, Many Gifts, One Spirit, because here's the idea. We have one Lord, right? One Lord and Master, Jesus Christ. We are indwelled, each as individual Christians, by one Holy Spirit at the time of our salvation, sealing us until the time that we go uh, to be with the Lord, right? We have one Holy Spirit that indwells me as an individual, indwells you as an individual, but also one Holy Spirit that indwells us, as a church. So there's one spirit at work within the church, but he gifts, it's the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is a he, by the way, not an it. The he, he is a person of the Godhead, the third person of the Trinity, and he gifts each of us individually uh, as a part of uh, the corporate whole. And our gifts come entirely from him. And so that's what Paul is saying it. There's a variety of services, but the same Lord. Varieties, activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. So for something to be a spiritual gift, as we've seen from that definition, it has to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. It has to be a gift that comes from him, not from us. Now, uh, in a moment, I'm going to talk about how our gifts relate to our talents, these things that you were able to do before you were a Christian, that you're still able to do outside of the church in a secular way um, now, right? And how your gift may relate to that. And it's not to say that your gift can't relate to that. But here's what the scripture teaches. You, Christian, are gifted by the Holy Spirit to do something in the church. And this gift fully and completely comes from God. It may, for some of you, seem somewhat unique. It may be something that you were not able to do um, before you were a Christian. It may be something that you were able to do, and now you're able to do more so in the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, My gift happens to be one, um, at least the primary gift, the way that God primarily uses me in the life of this church, happens to be one that I did not have before coming coming to faith in Christ. Um, I did not like talking in front of people when I was growing up. So much so that everyone that that came up in the school that I went through when they were in middle school had to take speech. Remember, did you have to take speech? My, my parents, um, this is probably the only time my parents actually went and like pulled strings for me to do... Uh, got the school administration to allow me to do something other than speech class for my elective during that middle school year because I just I the thought of getting up there and doing that terrified me now most of you know me for doing one thing kind of in your life and that's this thing right I'm not terrified to do it at all now this is one of the more natural things that I do, I enjoy doing this, this and preaching um, as much or more than anything else that I do uh, in my job. But it is not of me at all. This was not something that I was good at doing or whatever even considered doing before God called me uh, into ministry and gifted me uh, for that purpose. So the same may be true for you, but know this, it comes from God. Our giftedness is also unique for God's plan for our lives. Flip in your Bibles over to Romans 12, 4, and we read this. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So Paul's, Paul's introducing the same kind of idea in Romans 12 that he's introducing in 1 Corinthians 12. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So God has this plan for your life right? He can see the end from the beginning. God sees all time equally, acts within time because uh, he acts within temporal people, but God sees all time equally and acts within time to act in your life, to act in my life. But he knows what tomorrow holds for you. He knows what next year holds for you, what next decade holds for you. He knows how you would get to where you are today. And God sees that plan and that giftedness for you is unique for where you're going to be. And if, if for some of you, this has been your church, your entire adult life, and this will be your entire, your church for your entire adult life. For some of you, it's not, there, there, are some of you in here that you're, you're like, this is a way station. This is a temporary assignment and you'll have another assignment in another place. God will move you and your family because of your job, because of some other, uh, uh, issues, situation in your life that'll cause you to move. You'll go somewhere else. And know this, God is, this is how big our God is, right? He's able to take the fact that you may live in, you know, a half a dozen cities over the course of your life and be a member of a half a dozen churches actively involved, and God know what your gift is and gift you in a way that your giftedness is going to be useful and necessary in every one of those places. So you may say, well, I don't see how that could possibly work out and be true. Well, you can't see it. I can't see it, but we can affirm that it's true because God is able to do that because he has uniquely gifted us according to the plan that he has for our life, that God has right numbered your days and knows your steps and, and, and God knows what's going to happen and, and is orchestrating these things in your life according to his providential will. And your giftedness is a part of that. Number three, our giftedness makes us important to the body. Back in 1 Corinthians 12, we read, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? Now, there are, there are uh, two or three metaphors that Paul has for the church. I think his favorite one is, though, the body. He uses it in uh, multiple places in his letters to the New Testament church because I really think it makes a whole lot of sense to us when, when we think about uh, the, what he calls the members of the body, and he's, he's using that kind of intentionally, right? There's members of the body, that is Christ, and then there's the members of your physical body. And each member of your physical body, and he uses here in verse 16, he talks about the eye, right? And he talks about the ear. Um, he talks about the sense of smell. These, these both the physical members and their functions that the eye sees, the ear hears, the nose smell, right? The hands lift, the feet walk. Now, he doesn't use all of those, but you just kind of keep going, right? The heart pumps, the lung breathes, the brain thinks, All of these things that the individual members of our physical bodies do. And he he connects that to the giftedness of individual members within the body of the church. It says every member of your body, your physical body, is important. Your eyes help you see, your nose help you smell, your ears help you hear, your hands help you lift, your feet help you touch, your heart, your heart helps you pump, your lungs help you breathe, right? We go on and on and on. Every member of our body, every part of our body has a specific function and it, and it works to accomplish that function. And Paul says that's the same exact thing that we need to understand about your role within the church and your giftedness, that your gift makes you important, Now, your gift may not feel important, but it is. Now, when we get to in week three, and I go through the serving gifts, here's what we'll find. Anytime I've ever taught on this subject, we've always found this to be true. 80% or more of the people in this room will identify most with one of the serving gifts. It's it's, It's always true primarily because we need far more people to do those kind of things within the life of the church and so God gives gifts far more people to do those things but those gifts are less seen than the teaching gifts right i am easily the most visible person at this church and some people would think that makes me the most important person that makes my gift the most important gift in the church but we can't say that if we apply the Bible correctly to the life of the church, that those things that are happening within your body right now that you can't, would you say your heart's important? Yeah, you would. You can't see it though. Would you say your lungs are important? Yeah, you, you can't. And you likely, unless you have some sort of breathing problem, then you're hyper aware of your lungs. You probably didn't think a single time today about the fact that you were breathing. You just did it, Right? The lungs just did it. And the church is often that way. The church often doesn't even think about the fact that some people are doing certain things for the body. Important things that nobody even is thinking about, that nobody even questions. Is somebody doing this? Occasionally people ask me those kind of questions, you know. Somebody's like, let me just use it. Somebody will say, are there people here that like count the money that comes in? <laughs> yeah, there are. And you probably gave money to this church last week or in the last month or whatever, and you never even thought about the fact that somebody counted it, but they did. You don't even know who, that, who those people probably are, right? But there are people that do that, and it's important to have the right people, could we all agree? It's important to have the right people doing, doing, doing a job like that. So whatever your gift is, while you may not be the most visible, you may not get the most praise. You may not get the most attention. You may be even on the inside of the body where nobody even knows that you're doing it. Know this, your giftedness makes you important to the body. It, and God has, God has woven it together in that way. So you, you can't think, well, I, if I leave, they're not going to miss me. If you leave and we don't miss you, It's because you weren't actually doing what you were supposed to be doing while you were here. For people that are actually doing what they were supposed to be doing while they were here, we'll we'll miss you. Now, we're also going to trust God that he's going to replace you, right? That God knows. And again, God's orchestrating all of these things. And his providential will is like this web that I can't see. And we're just walking on one strand of it. And it's always been amazing to me, right? I've already referenced the fact. Some of you move. This is a way station for you. Some of you will move. And it took me a little while to get there, folks, because I'd never really lived or pastored in a military town before. And coming here, the first couple of summers here were like hard for me because you say goodbye to people, people move. And I start like in my flesh looking out and going, oh goodness, these are people that like, Helped us lead worship. They taught small groups. They were on important teams. They helped us make important decisions. They did things for us. They led, you know, mission outreach. What are we going to do? And then lo and behold, God brings somebody else, you know, that's, that's gifted in that same kind. Because God just does these things. But your gift, regardless of what it is, makes you important to the body. Number four, the level of our giftedness varies, depends upon the grace of God. Back in Romans chapter 12, we read this. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us let us use them. Then he goes into this list, if prophecy and proportion of our faith, and he keeps going, and we're gonna read some of those verses here in a minute. But having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. So first, you looking at your life and saying, well, I don't feel as gifted as somebody else. I'm not as good at somebody else as that. Isn't an excuse, not, isn't as an excuse for you not to use your gift? You need to use your gift within the life of the church According to the grace given to us, could you imagine for a minute? This is a relatively, uh, relatively meaning if we compare it to all other churches, all let's just say Southern Baptist churches, since that's what we are. If we compare it to all other forty-five thousand Southern Baptist churches. This is a pretty big Baptist church. the The median-sized Baptist church has right under a hundred people that attend. Right. So we have uh, just over 300 people on average that attend here. We have more than that on things like Easter and whatever, but our average attendance. So we're about three times the size of a norm, normative-sized Baptist church. But we also know of Baptist churches that are much, much bigger than this, right? And some of those have phenomenal preachers. So for instance, I don't know if you've ever listened. I just use a local church. I just brag on a local church guy. I don't know if you've ever listened to Eric Thomas at First Baptist Church preach, um, but Eric Thomas is an, is an incredible preacher. He, he's an incredible preacher. I'm actually, hopefully, going to be able to use some of his wisdom in uh, some of my doctoral work. I've already used him once. I'm hoping he'll agree to be used again. Phenomenal preacher. What would it mean if I, who am, am not, the level of, not gifted at the level that Eric Thomas has looked at that and said, man... Eric Thomas is so gifted at preaching, I shouldn't preach. And we just, if I'm not going to be as good as him, right? If I'm not going to be Adrian Rogers or Billy Graham or, you know, to use some of the historical guys, if, if, if I'm not going to be Charles Spurgeon, then I ought to just hang it up and not do it. Well, all of a sudden we would have a whole lot less church, right? This church wouldn't, you know, y'all would have to go find another preacher. And if that guy also said the same thing, we Well, imagine if the church then, individual members did that, but individual members do that all the time. Well, I'm not going to be as good of a small group leader as some of, maybe some of our elders are. And so because I'm not going to be as good of a small group leader as they are, I've got no business leading a small group. I can't serve in the same way that you know, some of these other people in our church can serve. And so because I can't serve in that way, I'm, I'm just going to choose, choose not to serve. Listen, that is, that is wrong-minded. We need to recognize that our gifts differ, and it's according to the grace given to us. I, I, am, I am as gifted of a teacher and preacher as God has chosen to make me, and I need to be really okay with that. Now, we're going to get to the end, and I'm going to continue that thought, Okay. But, but hear me at least at this level, because we're thinking about how God gifts us, right? That's, that's the approach we're taking. And so you also need to recognize that God has gifted you to the level of grace that he has offered into your life. And we need to be, you need to be okay with that. And if you're a teacher and you only have a few people come into your little class and somebody else is like blowing the doors off of it, you, you need to at least be comfortable in the understanding that God has gifted you in the way that he's gifted you and you don't need to play the comparison game. Now, again, that doesn't mean we don't work at our gifts, and I'm going to end there. But from, from an understanding of how God gifts us, um, we, we need to recognize that it is according to the varied grace of God in our lives, uh, as what Paul says in Romans 12, 6. Number five, some gifts are spirit-level empowerment of natural abilities, Listen to how he continues from Romans 6. He says, if prophecy in, pro, uh, Romans 12, verse 6, if, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, and he continues in verse 7 and 8, if serving in our service, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Now, each of those kind of, right, you kind of have these pairings, right, um, in service and our serving and teaching and his teaching well let's just take the first half of that right now and we'll, we'll visit the second half of it in a second as you read these spiritual gifts romans 12 is one of the list right um, prophecy service teaching uh, exhortation contribution uh, leadership acts of mercy right those are the, those are the gifts that are listed in romans 12 6 7 and 8 some of those are unique within the church, right? We could all say prophecy is unique um, w- within the church. But exhortation is not necessarily unique within the church. Teaching is not. Leadership is not. Um, doing, helping others, doing acts of mercy is, is not unique, unique within the church. These are things that secular people could also be good at. So it asks the question, does a secular person have a spiritual gift? No. No. Now, they have what's known as common grace that allows them to be good at something that is somewhat of a reflection of God, because all of these are ultimately a reflection of God, right? And God's common grace in the world means that lost people have the ability to do some things that that seem good. They're not anywhere good enough to save themselves, because nobody is, right? And compared to God's goodness, it's, as Isaiah says, filthy rags. But nonetheless... Common grace allows people to have certain things that are somewhat good. So maybe your entire life you have been somewhat good at something. You had a gift, ability, a, a talent that you were kind of good at. And you got saved and you got placed within the local church. And then you begin to use that within the local church. It didn't, it didn't stop being a, a talent or an ability and all of a sudden become a spiritual gift. We just need to think more practically than that. It's that God took something that he had already kind of made you good at, because he's the one that made you, right? That made you good at, and spirit empowered it. So some gifts are new and unique to the Christian life. And many times, other times, right? It's, so think, like Pastor Brian uses his gift of, of singing to Sing, I kind of t- think of singing kind of as a teaching gift almost, right? It's, it, it certainly was in the Old Testament. They used singing as a, as a means of instructing and teaching, and we kind of do that too as a part of our worship, right? Well, he could sing before he was saved. That's, I think. That, that singing probably didn't come upon him when he, but now it's empowered, right? So some of our gifts are going to just be spirit-leveled empowerments of natural abilities, uh, number six, some gifts may be temporary empowerments to meet a temporary need. So you go back to that list in Romans 12, 6, 7, and 8, right? And you see some things, and these are things that people do regularly, and some of them are things that, that maybe the Holy Spirit is going to gift you to do. And I firmly believe this, and if people will not, by the way, not everybody that teaches on spiritual gifts believes this. This is one of those contentious points with people, but I'm I am firm in my footing on this. If you want to disagree with me, it's fine. But I think it's very helpful. There are times the Holy Spirit is going to gift you to do something because it's something that you need to do in that moment. And it may not be your permanent gift, right? Your permanent gift may not be acts of mercy, but you need to act with mercy in that moment. And the Holy Spirit's going to gift you to act with mercy in that moment. Maybe your, maybe your gift is not the gift of encouragement, but you're placed in a situation where somebody needs to be encouraged and guess what, bub? You're the guy that's there, and so it's time to do it. And so the Holy Spirit's going to gift you to do it. It's not going to be your permanent gift. It's not going to be the primary way in which you serve the church. But if we're open to the Holy Spirit working within our, working in our lives, it very well could be that at various times in our lives that the power of the Holy Spirit just works. And you're able to do something that wasn't something that you would have normally been able to do, even within the local church because you just find yourself and you submit yourself to the power of the Holy Spirit. So I do think we ought to know what our primary spiritual gift or spiritual gifts, because I do believe there are multiple of them in most people's lives. Primary spiritual gifts are, but we also need to be open to saying, okay, God, here's a need in the church. And if you want me to meet that need, you're going to have to gift me in a way that I've never been gifted before. You're going to have to empower me. In a way, but I'm willing if you are, and, and if he does, then then you're able to do that, maybe even just in that temporary way. All right. That's all in that first kind of section. The second section, the Lord has placed believers together for ministry. So all of that's been about how God's placed gifted you. Now let's think about how he brings it together. All right. You are gifted to fulfill a specific role in the body. First Corinthians twelve, seven, to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. Your spiritual gift isn't about building yourself up. If if you think your spiritual gift is something that you use in your prayer closet, you've misunderstood spiritual gifts. If you think your spiritual gift is something that you can use in any context outside of the ministry of the local church... As an extension of the, so it doesn't have to happen within these walls, all right? It happens on our mission trips. It happens in our community partners. It happens in our community outreach. It happens in places, right? But these are all extensions of the local church. This is the, what gifts are. They happen here. And to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. The manifestation of the Spirit is the Spirit's working in your life for the common good. And what is the common good? The common good is the mission of the church. It's the building up of the body of Christ. Now, we express the mission of God for our church like this, to make disciples that make disciples. That's the simplest way we can say it, right? So, we could say this like this. To each one of you, to each member of Nansman River Baptist Church, God has given the manifestation, the the gifts of the Spirit to help us accomplish our mission of making disciples that make disciples. That's why God has gifted you. Now, it may not be that you're teaching a new disciple. It may not even be that you're evangelizing a new disciple. It may be that you're keeping the nursery so that someone else can. It may be that you're organizing um, resources so that someone else can. And we'll get into what all of those things are in the coming weeks. But but there is a specific role within the body that God has gifted you for. And if you're here and this is your church and you're not using your gift in a specific way, um, then you need to get on that. You need to ask somebody. And and that's why we're teaching this, right? And so by the end of this, I hope you're gonna be able to say, this is what my spiritual gift is. And if I'm not using it within the church, this is how I want to use it. Number two, not uh, not using your gifts is a detriment to the body. Paul says back in Romans 12, he says, "So we though many um, though many are one body in Christ, and individual members one of another." All right? So we're we're this interconnected body. We go to 1 Corinthians 12 again in verse 26, and we read, "If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together." Now he's writing that to say. That we're, there's no, there's no, you know, good, better, best. There's no more honorable, less honorable, right? That we're all in this together. But think about it like this. Have you ever hurt a part of your body? And because that part of your body was hurt, some other part of your body started to hurt, right? Like you, you hurt your leg and two days later, like your back's hurting because you're walking funny, you know? Well, our body is really interconnected like that, isn't it? And so your your doctors probably told you something like that. Oh, well, this went wrong. And because this went wrong, then X, Y, and Z also went wrong. Our bodies are like that. The church is like that too. So if somebody is not using their gift in our church right now, I believe this is what scripture said, then it is actually a detriment to the body. So we're not living up to our full potential as a congregation if everybody that's in our church is not fully utilizing their spiritual gift so if you're not fully utilizing your spiritual gift you're holding the body back and you're you're right we're suffering we're we're suffering together one member suffers all suffers so if one's not doing what that person's supposed to do then other ministries and other people that are gifted within the church are not being able to live up their potential. So there's this, there's this great interconnectivity within the body of Christ that we must recognize. And that, I know I say this every time this subject comes up, but I, I, just, I always have to push this. That is so foreign to an American mind because we have been drilled in individualism our entire lives. We are the most individualistic society that has ever lived on the planet. And there's some parts about that within our society that's not bad, right? It's not. It's not that all of individualism is bad, but it's found its way into the church to where we, we've, we've severed some of these intentional connections that the New Testament church had, that we're supposed to have, but we don't recognize, that, we're, that we are suffering together, that we are growing together, that we are, um, you know, th- that all of this happens with one another. We are making disciples together. Look, it's true. Nobody can come to faith with you, but you can't grow in your faith on your own. We need each other. And, and spiritual gifts speak to that, that when one of us suffers, we all suffer. When one of us doesn't use their gift, we, we all, uh, somebody else is having to make up for that, right? So we wanna, we wanna make sure we're using our gifts to the fullest that we're able to, that God has gifted us according to the measure of grace that He's given us, so then that our gifts, uh, so that the body then can uh, be utilized to its fullest. So then our gifts, Not only, this is the third thing here, right? It's kind of a continuation. Our gifts should be used to their fullest. Go back into Romans 12, 6, 7, and 8, right? And that second, remember I said, let me address just the gifts. And then so it's seven. It says, if serving in our servant, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation. And you read that and you think, that's kind of strange, right? But then you get down to in verse 8, you get to this, the one who leads with zeal. And it starts to open up to us what Paul's doing. Paul's saying if your gift is service, then you serve to the very best of your ability. If your gift is teaching, then you teach to the best of your ability. If your gift is leadership, then you lead with zeal, right? Nobody gets to do anything halfway. Everybody needs to use their gift to their fullest. Now, here's what we need to recognize. Life isn't this linear line. Right? Life has ups and downs. It has stages. Um, we, we have varying times in our lives where we are more available and less available. Apostle Paul actually addresses that when he addresses marriage and singleness. And he's like, hey, it's kind of good to remain single if you can because you have more time to do things for the body of Christ and to be a part of it, right? Than then maybe married people do, right? So there's, there's, there's these ups and downs. Then there's health concerns. There's times later in life, maybe where you can't do everything you should. And so if that's you, if you're at one of those stages of life or later in life and you say, wait, I feel kind of beat up right now because I'm not able to do everything I was able to do at another time, or maybe even everything I would want to do. Don't hear me say that. Gifts should be used to their fullest as as God has gifted you and where you are in life right now. So you may not be able to do everything you want to do or everything you were able to do, but whatever it is God has gifted you to do, do it to the best of your ability right now. We don't get to, we we don't ever get to retire from church. We don't ever get to say, I'm too busy. I'm just going to give money, right? These are common excuses that people make for serving within the body of Christ. So you think, well, other people have more time than me. So I'm just going to give for them to do that. Um, uh, other people are younger than me, so I'm just going to step out of their way. Other people are older than me; they know how to do it better than me, so I'm just going to let them do it. They've been doing it longer. I'm going to just let them do it. Right? None of us get to say that. All of us need to recognize that for whatever stage of life we're in, whatever abilities we have, we need to use our gifts to the fullest extent possible with zeal. Fourth, we need to think about our our third. We need to think about our desire for spiritual. Spiritual gifts. This is the third section. I only have two things here. So we're going to be wrapping up soon. Our desire for spiritual gifts. First, Christians should pray and desire or should desire and pray for an increase in giftedness. In 1 Corinthians 12, back in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 31 we read, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. Now, does that mean? He's just listed some. Um, for us some, some things. Because there was some there was some wrong thinking about gifts. This is why 1 um, Corinthians like 12, 13, and 14 all deal with spiritual gifts. We're going to 1 Corinthians a lot. Because the church at Corinth like really struggled with spiritual gifts. Their main issue they had was that they were jealous about spiritual gifts. They wanted somebody else's spiritual gifts. They didn't want the spiritual gift they had, and they were exalting certain gifts over others. They were neglecting certain gifts because they wanted certain things. So Paul kind of lists some things and talks about them. And he says, but, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. He like, well, what is, what really is the higher gift? What's he saying? Because I thought he had already told us that the eye was the eye, the ear was the ear, the nose was the, the, nose, was the nose, right? It's not that Paul is saying desire to be the preacher. If he's not, if God's not gifted you to be the preacher, or desire to be the small group teacher if God's not gifted you to teach. Listen, if God's not gifted you to teach, we don't want you to teach. We've all sat in those rooms, okay? And nobody wants to sit in that room, all right? We want to sit in a room with people that God is gifted to, God's gifted to teach. Some of you are like, I'm sitting in that room right now, pal. Okay, listen, God, God so, so, sorry, got myself, got myself distracted. So he's not, he's not giving us this hierarchy of gifts, but we should want a, a, a more, empowering. This is the way we need to read this. We should want more of it. Remember, it was, it was this grace, the level of grace. So when's the last time you asked God, if you looked out, if I looked, let me just use me, right? If I, asked, if, if I looked out and said, man, there are, there are guys that are just far more gifted preachers than me. Here's the question I have to ask myself. When was the last time I actually asked God for a greater gifting as a preacher? not tried to make myself better, but when's the last time I actually just went to say and say, God, will you make me even better at this? Thank you for what you've done, but I I desire even higher gifting. Would you make me even better at it? When's the last time you asked God for that in your life? When's the last time you desired, or not even just, and you could look at it like this, not even just one gift, but if you say, God, would you gift me in something else too? Uh, would, would would you gift me you know i have the spiritual gift of mercy but and i'm using that god i want you to continue to to bless me in that but would would you gift me in something else would you open up other doors and and cuz god i want to be used by your holy spirit in any way possible doesn't mean that he's going to give you every one of them but maybe he'll give you more of them and as he as you kind of walk down that road new opportunities come about so our desire for gifts should not be publicity and fame it should not be exaltation even amongst the body but our desire for gifts should be that we desire that god would use us even more than he did yesterday last thing here under our desire for gifts as christians should not be jealous nor condescending of the gifts of others both of those are sinful reactions It is a sinful reaction to look at a spiritual gift that someone else has and be jealous of it. And it's a sinful reaction to look at a spiritual gift that someone else has and puff out your chest, which is what the church at Corinth did, by the way. Puff out your chest and say, oh, look how great I am. And later, Paul calls them, right, clanging cymbals and resounding gongs, doesn't he? (laughs) Because that's all they were. Because it was all about look at me. It was just somebody beating on the symbols, getting attention. And so in 1 Corinthians 12, we read, The I cannot say to the hand, I have no this is starting in verse 21, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the part of the body that seemed to be weak or indispensable. And one that then one of those parts of the body that we think less honorable will be the greater honor and are unprecedented unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our our most presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the parts that lack it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And this think what he's saying. He's like, man, if we only knew, if, if we only knew how it pleased God, how the service of some who got no attention at all for it pleased God far more than those who get all the accolades. And so we find ourselves drawn to the middle, not jealous, but prayerfully desiring that God would increase our gift, but also not condescending, looking at another and saying, oh man, if you only could be used by God in the same way that I'm used by God, so let me finish one thought because we're right at seven thirty. Because earlier I, I said we're, we're given our gifts to a certain, the right, degree of grace that God has given within us, and that we should desire and pray more. You need to do you. You do need to recognize that your spiritual gifts are connected. Uh, to the rest of the work that the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. And the primary work that the Holy Spirit is doing in your life is the work of sanctification. That's that middle voice, middle tense, present tense um, salvation. I am being saved, right? That I am going from one degree of glory, as Paul says, one degree of glory to another, right? I'm working on my salvation with fear and trembling. It is our partnership with the Holy Spirit that this happens, and so you can work to hone your skill of your spiritual gift. It's why I'm back in school. I don't enjoy school. I haven't enjoyed school since kindergarten. I'm not going to start enjoying school, right? I have enjoyed the relationships. I've learned a lot. I've, I've learned the joy of the discipline of school. Can I say it like that? I've learned the joy of the discipline. I, I don't like being told, do something by a certain day, okay? And that's what I think of when I think of school. But the reason that I'm doing that is because I want to improve it. It's part of my sanctification process. I, I want to become a better preacher, which is why I'm studying preaching at the doctoral level. And you're, you're probably very supportive of the fact that I do that. Well, let me ask you this. What, have you, what are you doing to get better at your gift? What, what are you doing, to, what are you doing to, to improve the way that you serve? Because yes, you are gifted to the degree of grace that God has given to you, but There is a sanctifying work in this, too, that you have the ability to to partner with the Holy Spirit, to grow in that, to become a better leader, to become a better encourager, to become more hospitable, whatever of those 21 things. We're going to go through a lot of those. So it's not just, and we'll kind of end here, not only for today, but at the very end of this. It's not just about finding your spiritual gift and then go do it. It's about finding your spiritual gift and then growing in it. So yes, it comes from God, but yet also, once it's come from God, we, we play a role in this. We don't neglect it. We don't neglect the work of the Spirit in our lives. We embrace the work of the Spirit in our lives and seek to be as zealous as we can towards being used by God in the church. Let me leave you with this. You're important. Every one of you. You're important. If God has brought you here, he's redeemed you, he's brought you into the life and, and family of Nansen River Baptist Church, you're important here. And I hope over the course of the next month, uh, if you don't know what your spiritual gift is, you will. If you don't know how to use your spiritual gift here, you will. If you've not been using your spiritual gift here, you'll start. Um, You'll be encouraged to do so uh, even more so uh, because we are an interconnected body together. And what you do in this church is just as important as what I do or anybody else does uh, because we need one another uh, to, to accomplish God's mission here. Let me pray for us to close. God, thank you again that you brought us together, that you gift us, that you grow us, and that you use us to accomplish your mission here on this earth. Would you help every one of these people here, I pray, every one of these people listening to us online, uh, uh, do some some soul searching. I ask that question, do I know what my gifts are? Do I know I'm using my gifts? Have I allowed things like coronavirus and pandemic to give me an excuse not to use them? Am I looking for new and exciting ways? God, are you growing me? Would you grow us all? God, would this be a place that every single person knows what you've gifted them to do and does it to the glory of God, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. Those that join us online, look forward to having you back with us next week. Thanks, guys, that are here. God bless.